Hi there, and welcome to Oconus, The Contractor's Life. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Today, I bring you part two of the 14th episode, my discussion with Travis Hayworth, former member of the United States Marine Corps, deputy sheriff, state game warden, federal law enforcement agent, and private security contractor. Well, and I remember, and, and here's a good one, and I think these guys were from India, but they, no, I'm sorry, some of them, some of, I think these guys were actually from Egypt. And that was another thing. Egypt is like, what? Egyptians here in Saudi Arabia? At one of the yeah. places that you and I lived, <clears throat> we don't need to name the place unless you want to, uh, they're on the seaside. Well, it wasn't, well, that's what I'm calling it, the seaside there. You know, that, that Gulf area? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we were there, very nice, posh, posh condition, right? I mean, you got to admit, it was a five-star place. Yep. In its heyday, it was. I think it's returned to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Okay. I used yep. to, I finally gained so much respect for those guys, talking with them and interacting with them. Yes. That I would order pizza and pay a premium for that pizza for these guys, all the guys there at the gates and around the perimeter. And uh, they, I garnered so much from those guys as a result, but that was not my intention. My intention was just thank you very much for all the things you're doing to protect us and keep us safe. Because that's all these guys, that's all they're looking for. They're just looking for some thank you and recognition for what they're doing to keep us safe. Well, scrap. I, I'd actually kind of forgotten about those guys. They, uh, and they actually, they, they actually do their job once in a while now that I have a little recall. Yeah. I, I do remember people trying to, uh, come in, you know, basically, uh, argue their way into our facility. And, uh, those little Egyptians were kind of, kind of verbal scrappers, buddy. <laughs> they could be quite they, feisty. Yeah, they got her done. I forgot about that, but right, just another good good memory right there. But yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that you know, for all the you know, there's plenty of guys that you and I have talked to, and, and if we think about it, you know, they talk about the Haji this and the Muslim that. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I look, I totally get it. I understand why you feel that way. Okay. It's kind of like the Vietnam veterans to talk about, you know, all all the derogatory terms they have for it or the Korean yep. war veterans. I totally get it. Okay. Um, and, and unless you were there, you can't understand why they feel that way. But that said, there is something to be said about realizing when you meet somebody from the opposite side, that has not lost their mind to the propaganda. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what we're talking about. So and 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 you remember those guys that were manning the gates, they were good squared away guys. They were trying to do the job that they were contracted to do. And you know Guys like you and me that would recognize that in some virtuous way by just providing them pizza. I mean, just yeah, exactly. It was like holy crap. I mean, you can't believe 
what goodwill we got out of that. I mean, it's just their posture, the defense posture, and the way they went about their job was magnified two, three, fourfold. And uh, I remember those things, and I'm sure you do oh, yeah, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's uh, it's been a good representative of your country too. I think that's the other other little factoid is you you know not that that's what you're necessarily there to do but it should be what you do every day you get up maybe not i consider it being a representative of my country and the flag but you know just i think the big thing is is, is be successful i um you know i kind of harp on that a lot and probably because i have children but uh you know now what's their success going to look like i don't know but as long as they're happy, they're successful. And I think being being kind to others, um, you can you can be an ass kicker and still be good to others, right? I, I've been around people like that my whole life, and you know, we're certainly around a a, a big goofy bugger from my I'm from Oklahoma like that. Uh, I don't remember where that big guy's from, but I can tell you he he probably is the best dad there is out there. But he told you nicer stories that kind of made me wonder. So. You know, it's it's out there and it's available. Um, you just you just got to step up. Well, yeah, you you do got to step up, but beyond that, it's just it's it's. Um, you know, I remember, for example, um, and I'm sure you saw these sorts of things too. It, Americans, regardless of whatever their ethnic origin was. I mean, we weren't all the same. And sometimes we didn't represent America in the best light. I'm right. sure you can attest that as Aliso over there, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a lot of, uh, well, as you know, there was a lot of that going on, whether it was, it was, uh, Sri Lankans eating out of the garbage in the city of Kuwait, you know, obviously unrelated diabetes and, and tasks, but, that, that was just a microcosm of, of, of kind of a bigger situation. And, and um, you, you know, that's one thing. I mean, I, I remember seeing Kuwaitis whip, you know, you, you pick the, you pick the continent or the country. Um, if you recall, they always had their little beads. And I was hard not to intercede on those uh, situations, but I didn't. <laughs> you got to know your limits. There. Right. <laughs> Um, they might say I can, can but <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah, what an incredible, just incredible adventure. And I, you know, I think on a small scale, which is just a, really a reflection of I think our country, and that is the number of people that used to try to get all of these installations in a positive way, not trying to blow it up. Or trying to kill a warfighter, but just trying to get on there to get a job to clean a toilet. Hmm. That that in itself is a reflection of our country. And uh, of course, we we all know and see it, whether controversial or not. We know that's what continues to happen to this day. But uh, I, I would argue that it, it was just an incredible version of of, of who we are, which is. Come on in. We'll give you a job. You're going to earn it. You're going to work for it. And right. man, just the people standing out there, buddy. I that was always incre- incredible to me because it wasn't it wasn't one or two hours at the DMV. A lot of times people slept out there. 
mm. the gravel. So now I remember. Do you remember? Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is I remember one incident in particular at a McDonald's, and it was during the. Uh, oh, it's not the high holy times because that's that's the Jewish thing. It was. Uh, what's that time of the year? Thank you. Ramadan had yeah, just yeah. okay. Ramadan had just ended, and for whatever reason, I decided to go to McDonald's. Uh, me and, a, and another guy, maybe there was a third guy. We wanted to go to McDonald's. I think it was on our way to work. Maybe it was after work. I don't remember, but I remember going to McDonald's. I was off of that King whatever highway, and it was just south of Arizan, and we went there. And Ramadan had just ended, and there was this massive amount of people surrounding this place trying to get in. And inside the place, it was like wall-to-wall carpet people. And I kept getting, I kept losing my place because these people kept cutting in front of me. Finally, yeah. as, as as I, you know, I don't know, probably half an hour, I'm guessing, approximately half an hour later. I'm really close to the counter, and and these kids keep cutting in front of me. And finally, one old man starts smacking them and slapping them and, and talking in Arabic to them. And he looks at me, and I don't remember exactly how he said it or what he said, but it was basically an apology on behalf of the kids for their behavior and telling me, please, get in front of us, you're next. And I thought, nice. right? And I thought, wow. And I remember telling that to one of the guys there. And he said, well, you know, that's probably because he's part of the older generation that remembers us going in there and kicking a rack out of Kuwait. Correct. And I think, that's, but, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's that's pre pre their new history books. He, he's He's one of those gentlemen. That's right. Right. So, <clears throat> I'm just saying, it's, speaking of history, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of stuff has gotten lost in history <laughs> uh, in recent, you know, and I don't want to go too much into down that rabbit hole, <clears throat> but, um, but, you know, with that said, you know, so whether it's history or the people, I'm just saying that made me feel it's like, wow, you know, I'm a stranger in their country. I'm in their backyard. I'm trying to, you know, mind my P's and Q's. And this guy just gets, he waylays the kids in front yeah. of me and lets me up front. And he is insistent that I go up front. And, of course, I was quite thankful and grateful and, you know, and, and he spoke some English, so. Oh, that's even better. Right? So, you know, what we're harping to is that, as we've been talking about, you and I, is that, you know, as an American, we're representing America. And so what we do, what we think, and I've said it with this other guys, you know, you got to be careful. you got to pretend. you got to know somebody is always watching and listening. But it goes beyond that. It, it, it comes down to who are you? 
what are you? And, um, you know, because it can't just be balls out. I'm going to kill everybody that doesn't think the way I am. This is a war. It is a war because we were in wartime, right? That's right. Okay. But there comes a time when you have to put on the brakes. So our jobs as civilian contractors was a very precarious and difficult job. And the guys who succeeded and did good at what we did had to take all that into account. Did we not? I mean, 24-7, were you not consciously or cognizantly aware of what you were doing? Well, absolutely. You had, you had to be. You just had to be. Or you wouldn't probably finish your contract. Okay, right. So I digressed again. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> you know, um, but I had so many incidents like that throughout that region where it just is like, you know, it's like, you know, I'm just trying to plug along and do my job and, and get where I'm going from point A to point B. And people out of nowhere that are strangers stand up and come to my aid. That's right. I, right? I mean, so um, did you, I'm sure you had something like that. Did you not? Well, I, I imagine every day, I, you know, it's, you always, no matter who you are, what you are, or certainly what you think you are, you always, you always need help. And help comes in different ways. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I uh, many experiences that required someone besides me to, to get the job done. But I, I, I never took it for granted. I, but but then again, I expected it too because that, I think that's the environment I created. I'd hope to create. Does that make sense? Sure. So you you know, it's not out of arrogance. It's out of I'm about to reap what I sowed, and you know you. You treat, treat people decent, and, and I think they recognize. You, know, you can disarm people with some kindness, but you, you treat them with some decency. They rec- they are willing to recognize when you might need on you know they need to lend a hand. And I think that's the bottom line. I I, I don't remember us and, and a lot of the, the group that we ran with. When we were we were in country together. We of course you know like like minds and, and like actions. I think attract. And so we we all seemed to kind of kind of hang hang pretty tight. And of course, I knew we always had each other's backs. But I think I think we all developed some professional relationships that that certainly benefited us at that time, that moment in time. But I think for a lifetime, quite honestly, um, I you know hopefully we help people, and and I think they certainly provided some help to us when we needed it. Oh, they did, and. You know, again, back to the butterfly effect, you know, when we look around today at what's going on, hopefully some of the things and interactions that we've had with people, the things we've said and talked about, has had an effect, not only on us, but on them as well. Um, So, you know, we're talking international politics at the microscopic level. Um, Yes. Right. So... Your time as a private security contractor in Kuwait and Iraq, uh, can you 
articulate to anybody, who, to the people that are listening, how that, you know, the mind, you know, can you explain to them or articulate to them in your perspective things to keep in mind that the differences between the American mindset and the mindset on an international scale when you're working outside the United States of America, uh, you know, because we talk about this great big bubble that we're all wrapped in in America. We take it for granted. Yes. Can can you bring that full circle for people? Can you, from your perspective, from your experience? I can sort of, I can sort of try. I think just like anything, whether you're going to take a, you know, a camping trip or you're going to go for a new job, just, just like anything you set out to do where you have something at the end or during that you want to accomplish, you should get a mindset going before you even leave the United States, wherever you may reside in the United States. If that's where you're, you're starting your journey. And, and I think you need to have expectations of, you know, there could be a whole list just on that, Scott. But the bottom line is it's recognizing the minute you get on that plane that when you land, you're you're not in your home state anymore. You're not in Ohio, Iowa, wherever the heck be. my case, it was, it was Montana at the time. And uh, that's a big transition from a town of 2,500 to Kuwait City. Right. So it's important to note that, hey, you, you are not – in the environment that you grew up in and are probably comfortable in. Uh, that's, I think, primary aspect of, of what I, I recognize. Uh, but then number two is I'm here to do better. And what does that look like? And, and a lot of times that, if the opportunity presents, it's trying to learn a little bit of where you're going to spend the next year hmm. because your life's going to be a lot better. And that may be a little local costumes. You know, I, I've never been worried about offending people, but that doesn't mean I'm, I set out to do it on a daily basis. And when I'm in a different country, maybe I can work towards not offending everybody if I can help it. And, and I guess the bottom line is it's, we're, we're Americans, greatest country there ever has been and ever will be. However, not everybody feels that way. And when you can use situations in a different country acting that way, it, it, could, it could backfire. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's the old bull and the young bull. Uh, you go in slow and you're going to, you're going to get a lot more work done. Hmm. It'd be a lot safer in the process too. I think you're just going to be a lot safer and have a much bigger impact than even what your job or position description says on your, your contract. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting you hit on that because Let's explore that just a little bit if we can. When we go to another country and we're quote unquote representing America, there is, and I get this from whether it's implicit or explicit, some sort of, uh, I'm going to call it a gesture, suggestion, or impression that America is the drumbeat of the world. They really do look towards America as, you know, leading the way. Has that been your experience? 
I, 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 nine times out of ten and ten times out of ten on Sundays. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's been a, you know, and not to use a history word, but it's a history of being in leadership role. Okay. It's just the bottom line. Right. So, would you say, and, and I remember many, many times I heard this drumbeat, you know, we're not the world police, yet we Correct. were, and, and a lot of us, like you, as you just stated, and, and, I, and I kind of implied, want, is like, we're not the world police, but you know what? We have been, to some extent, the world police. But when we say that, we're not just talking about police action, as we might know it here in America. We're talking about the principles that we bring with us, the ideals that we bring with us. Can you hearken to that in your experiences over there? Well... That that probably could be a a lengthy discussion. <laughs> I guess what I would, and the reason I say that is because you know not one of us is made like the other. Meaning, we, as you know, um, I think you're a product of psychology. I think we we all are uh, to some extent, but we've all been exposed to. To an entire, you know, all kinds of different ingredients, if you will, and then you throw in a little military to to, to try to, to try to get the bread to rise, if you will. What I'm getting at is, it, it's um, I think we each bring something unique, and, and I think that's what makes us a world leader, because when you put us together, everybody's got a common set of goals, principles, and ethics. However, everybody has a slightly different skill set. And that, that all stems from how they've been raised and what kind of training they've chosen, how they've chosen to make themselves better in any kind of field. You know, um, there's a lot behind it. That's why I say we could, we could harp on that one a while. But, um, I, my humble opinion, we certainly, we not only provided a service, but I think we, we had a little humanity in our system when we did it. You know, I, I, that's how we approached it. I know you did. I certainly know I did. Uh, and I thought those that we, we, we hung with as a unit did. Just by and large, I, 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 I can't surround myself with, with, with uh, the opposite of what I described. I, I do know that, Scott. Yeah. So, I mean, so like we've touched upon and, and I'll expound a little bit is like, if you cross that line, Okay, the hurt is going to come down on you. Okay, I mean, you know, prior to that line, whatever that line is, and when I sense you starting to approach that line, I might say something to indicate to you that you're approaching that line. You need to just back it up a little bit. But prior to that, I'm, a, I'm okay with whatever you say, whatever you do, because that's your culture, that's your society. I'm playing in yep. your backyard. Okay, um, and that's fine. But if you go too far, if you cross that line, my hack will start to raise. And if you go even further than that, the claws come out. And beyond exactly. that, and beyond that, we're going in the dirt. 
Yeah, exactly. So you, so you hope that whoever's on the other end, uh, there's a recognition so that, you know, these series of, of escalation, which is natural. It's not, you know, you say it and it sounds real nice and timed and, and like it's a computer software program or an application, but you don't even know what's happening. <laughs> you do, but you don't, right? It's instinct. I mean, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, almost instinct and, 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 uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I'm still, I'm still there in my life. Um, and I'm, I'm getting up there. <laughs> and I, and I know you're, I know you're still there, but not hey, getting up there. Hey, 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 don't cross that line. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. But no, so, you know, so I remember, and there's plenty of things I remember, but there's a lot more I don't. And, uh, you know, that plays into human psychology and all that other stuff. Um, but I remember in, in Kuwait, for example, and I don't remember why I was walking up this road. I think I went for a walk to, to one of those malls. I don't remember what the mall was. It wasn't the shark or anything else. It was some out-of-the-way mall. I'm on my way back, going to my secondary place of residence, which was one of those high-rise towers. Very nice, by the way. Yep. Um, And I saw two, what I presume to be Kuwaitis, but who knows, just going at it with this female. And in me, I'm thinking... The protector of me is like, you know what? I gotta come to this woman's aid. But I remember what I've been, what's been drum beating to me. You're in Kuwait. Don't get involved in Kuwaiti matters. Long story short, I didn't. Who knows what came of that? But these guys were going at it with this, with this, with this lady. Now, as I recall, there was no physical interaction, but I kept thinking, wow. And as I'm walking closer and closer, and for whatever reason, Travis, I don't recall whether I passed them or not. There's a blank spot. It just kind of ends there. I remember that. But, and the reason I bring that up, and the reason I go there, is that there's that there's that interaction between what you and I would want to do and what we assume most people would want to do, intervene on her behalf versus the reality, quote-unquote, of the situation. We're in another country. We're playing by their rules. We've been told not to get involved, so I didn't. Who knows what happens? Now, from your exactly. pers- okay, so from your perspective, law enforcement or force protection or anything else, can you speak to that? Who? Which part are you talking? The uh, the middle, the conundrum, the, the recall? <laughs> any, <laughs> any, all of it. You know, your experience that you had something that was similar. Well, I, I you know, I think once again, you're look, you're talking about. What I think is probably a whole host of things or a spectrum of things there, but I think when you break it all down, um, 
there's some things you can't deny or you can't you can't leave out of the equation. So certainly for me, uh, training because we're all just products of, of of what went into us, and you know the, you don't tend to react unless you've been trained to react. Now criminals react. A lot of criminals get caught. They don't react accordingly, right? So that's why we train, and that's that's part of that mechanism to uh, react to, to whatever I feel I need to react to. Humans react. I mean, we're, we're going to react. You get punched in the face, you're probably going to punch back, or you're going to cry and go home. That's that young age divide, and he's going to be for a wolf on Jeopardy. But you know, with your situation, certainly many I've been in and have conversations with folks as a law enforcement officer. Um, it, it's it's that same kind of explanation. That's I'm here to help you, but you're leaving me no choice. And internally, I'm, I'm escalating due to my training or due to my life experiences. I think more importantly, too, because name may be such and such, but I've been around 1,500 of you, right? Hmm. I, I know where this is going. I've been here before, just with a different human being, and, and I feel compelled to fill in the blank. So I, there's a whole host of things. For me personally, though, it's it's, it's going to be training. It, it's going to be my life-slash-job experiences, all, you know, dealing with all kinds of calls, number one. But I like to think, too, it's maybe how I grew up. You, you can't deny that. Having a little respect for others or a lot of respect for others. I mean, wouldn't you agree that you don't have that? It doesn't matter all the training you have, all the life experiences you have. You don't respect anything to include others. You're you're going to be the one who's uh, who's getting pounded probably because you right. don't know when you cross the line. Right. You know, pretty and- simple. I think you're right, and, and I think that harkens back to what uh, people, regardless of what side of the fence they're on, sense a good person from their bad person. And I know I can attest to that countless times. I'm sure you can. Um, so if we can, let's go back to your experiences between Iraq and Kuwait. Okay. Okay. Was there a time when, looking back, you go, wow, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have gotten involved in that. No, I've never never thought that. To slightly answer that, though, in some form of, I wouldn't call it regret. I would call it a, you know, what am I doing here? Um, fleeting moment, I would add. Um, after being in that kind of environment for, for quite a bit of time, you, you know, you get used to every um, scene, every incoming alert. That stuff's just that's just another another night, another Saturday night, right? <laughs> However, you know, once I'd made that cognitive decision, you know, degree accomplished, uh, everything I chose to accomplish that I wanted to accomplish was, was done. I got it. It was time to come home. And I made that cognitive decision because I don't know about you, Scott, but for me, it was slightly 
slightly affecting uh, contracting life. I mean, everybody likes to get paid for their services, paid well. But then again, it was everything else too for me. So I was, I was slightly addicted. I had to make a choice, and I did. It was time to come home and, and work on getting the game warden job. And it was about two, three nights prior to me finally being able to catch a flight out of the fob I was on. And um, it was primarily just all helos or convoy. And, of course, we, we started getting uh, little rocket attacks every night and, you know, small fobs, so the targets are e- easier to acquire. And literally that first night, they, they actually hit a target, and they got some contractors, and they got some, some military members as well. Hmm. And, and I can tell you, those last three nights, mainly two, it would it'd really be the last two. Those are a long couple nights. Um, oh, I'll bet. You know, it's not really a, a fear of death. It's, it was really a fear of, holy shit, everything I just worked for may not come to fruition, as in getting home and applying for this game warden job. Mm. Um, but it, 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 it was, you know, a lot of reflection those couple nights. And then again, I'd, uh, I was living living in the tent with the same route clearance company, and and that's part of the brotherhood, sisterhood. It don't matter. It's part of being a team or a teammate. And I, you know, those folks treated me like I was one of the service members that worked with them. Mm. And so I – that provided a little bit of confidence that I needed. Uh, that and a couple predator drones flying above the father. <laughs> Anyways, we we got through. Um, but that's the closest thing I could say to a or, or closest answer I can give you to your question. I okay. I never regretted one minute of it, Scott. I I uh, there's moments I I have a couple friends that are still highly involved in it in way different version. As, as you probably know, it's a way different situation. But, however, they've they've never left it. They've just right. applied their skills in a different manner. And I think about it once in a while. But um, I, I got everything I need over here now. So right. Well, you know, and you speak of something interesting because it comes up very occasionally. The the woman factor. And uh, some people might be butthurt or have whatever they have to say about it. But yeah. we would occasionally meet the woman over there. And they might yeah. be the cashier. They might be cleaning something in the gym. They might be somebody that we don't know for sure, but we hear they have something to do going on undercover out in country. Sure. So um, there's all kinds of roles for women out there, and there's plenty of women out there. Wide variety. Yes, there is. Um, Can you speak from your experiences, um, your encounters with women over there? Well, boy, it's you know that's one thing you 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 certainly uh, that's one of those don't rush in deals for for some (laughs) lessons, but. You know, there was, um, and I guess to be blunt, because you find out right away, there's, there is everything there, just like in any other country that you'd ever go to. Yes. It doesn't matter how devout, uh, Muslim or Islamic, it doesn't matter. Uh, every country is going to have their own dirty laundry, if you will. And so when I, you know, I mean to the, by that, and I'll just quit alluding, but you find out right away there's, there's probably every kind of version of call girl 
prostitute uh, that you could find because they they approach you. It's not something you open the Kuwaiti yellow pages and go looking for. <laughs> uh, very awkward, by the way. But then again, just like Scott said, there's boy, there's just there's all kinds. There's uh, I I particularly uh, met an individual whose mom had fled her own country and, and brought this into this young lady, you know, as a four year old. Huh. And as a, kind of an interesting side note, had the mother had converted to Islam because she married a Kuwaiti. And, you know, why that's a little bit interesting is because a lot of Kuwaiti males have four to five wives. And you can imagine a Filipino turned Muslim married to a Kuwaiti living in probably the fourth floor of the house probably doesn't have that great of a life. Mm. But once again, it had to have been better than than the country of origin. So, oh yes, it, uh, you know I in one and I guess going back, I mean a lot of the a lot of these service oriented servers um, were, were from different countries. They, you know, I found that especially in Kuwait because that's really where you could be out in the economy safely. Um, it, all the services were provided by foreigners. Yeah, they, they really will. Uh, were excuse me, they you know your all your industry was provided by by foreign nationals. Um, so it was uh, it was very intriguing, sad at times, and and I guess good at other times. You know, one thing Scott was I'm sure well aware of is there there seemed to be a a real long term situation of of young ladies coming from other countries to be nannies and host families taking damn passports so and just abusing the heck out of these individuals and they, they couldn't leave they couldn't they didn't have a passport right and they, they were stuck in a, a real cycle of nightmare so but yeah. yeah i mean there was way more positives than negatives i think buddy i you know i just off the top of my head i i think there was a lot of just even fun encounters with with females in country um and, and kuwaiti females too you know, it wasn't right. against the law. You, you could say hi as long as they weren't with their six other uh, uh, wives that were, you know, married to one Arabic male. Anyways, you had to be careful. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did. And uh, the yeah. old thing about their uh, family and their brothers uh, applies, uh, regardless of the country. You know, and, yeah, yeah so now <clears> – <throat> In terms of your experiences between Iraq and Kuwait, did you notice culturally uh, a difference in the way that people responded or reacted to you? Well, yes. Um, certainly there was a seemed – seemed to be or the appearance of a larger level of standoff, of being a little bit more standoff in, in Iraq. I would say now there's I'd almost prefer someone being a little bit standoffish to looking down on me because they're Kuwaiti or Saudi in in all appearances have more money than I do or or it's just the fact that I'm American I don't know but um, that's the two big differences I saw hmm. okay so it um, it came down to what you talked about earlier or stated earlier 
about the caste system. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is a big yeah. thing and in I other countries. In Iraq, everybody was equally oppressed. So it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it's hard to identify a, a real caste system there. It, it, you know, after, I, I think folks were, you know, you look at the, we're not going to go and lose on the Iraq situation, but, um, but yeah, I think you're talking about a lot of, a lot of people that were just plain lost in that situation. Okay, so unless you actually ask them, are you uh, Shia or or Sunni, uh, it was oftentimes difficult to know. That's right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, in your experience, then, that's that said, unless you ask them, how how would you know? I mean. It sounds like a rhetorical question, but I mean, and, and maybe it is. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, and I didn't, and I wouldn't certainly speak for anybody else. I mean, that's, and to be honest with you, that was never, that was never critical to my interaction, or okay. else I would have, I, I would have, if it was critical, I, I would have made it my business or my knowledge or figured it out. But you know, that was not something that was, that was certainly mission critical for me. Um, there's plenty of other things that were, and, and those were addressed and, and and made better. But uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, and I think that's fine. I think you know, you know, we're not we're not part of that historical clash, and it's good to be knowledgeable. But sometimes it's not to know, you know, uh, as long as you don't blunder through it, right? Right. Well, you know, I mean, you got guys that. You know, for example, Stuttgart outside of FOB or some other base uh, that for whatever reason, and maybe sometimes not even guys that were there, they watched a video on YouTube and they make a judgment call based on whatever you want to call it, skin color, religion, sure, sure. country, whatever. But it's like, you know, that's not really what we're talking about Americana. That's not what we're talking about Patriot. That's not what we're talking about defending America or the world. That's something totally different. That, that, that's a skewed version. And, um, you know, so for, for the people that are listening, that are trying to gather and collect, you know, What's it? What's it like? What's you know? What to feel? What's you know? Maybe I've been misled. How would you respond to that? I mean, how would you say? You know what? From an American that's been there and done it, this is how I see it. How would you respond? Boy, it's it's easy. It, it's only it's only a foreign country if you can want to become one. Meaning. You show up, mutual respect, work hard, show kindness when necessary, but be prepared to stand your ground and be aggressive when necessary, too, because just like any country, there's those that will take advantage of you. And at the end of the day, get through that awkwardness. It's going to be awkward. It's a different country, different customs. But get through that and... It's just like you're in another country. The different skin colors, different languages. I mean, it's that's all part of the you know the, the reason to be there. 
um, after a while, it's just another human being, and you'll catch on. You'll catch on who's from where. You'll catch on who's maybe from Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, uh, India, Uganda. I mean, it, it, if if you're a casual observer, but if you're just going to be a casual American, then you probably should stay home. Right. So that's that is my take. Okay. So then, from your experiences, what would you say would make good traits, good experiences, or skill sets? To be a private security contractor. Well, you know, I'd say they're very similar to being a law enforcement officer. To be honest with you, Scott, I it's having a moral compass. It's having an ethical compass, and it's then you get into some real. Those are important traits, obviously, and there's some other critical traits, I believe. And uh, being able to just rough it out because it's not, we, we've talked about certainly some highlights, but it is not the most comfortable environment to operate in. No, it's not. Um, you you got to be able to suffer through and, and see the greater good on the other side. So you're going to have to have some staying power. Uh, you're going to have to be articulate. Not everybody wants to, but we live in an age now where, you know, it's one thing to be here in the States and Googling and tweeting and all this other nonsense that's out there. But you go to a foreign country, and they're not quite on the same trajectory we are. They still believe in having a conversation, looking people in the eyes. Yep. And I think I think you need to be prepared to do that. Because if you don't, you're not going to gain some, some respect with those that you're working around or working with. Right. So you got to have some, you got to have some verbal skills, got to have some communication skills. And I, I mean, for me, ethics, morals, you, you got to be able to stick in there when, when you need to and, and you, you got to be articulate. You got to be able to express the problems, concerns, you know, solutions. You just got to. Right. So you got to be you. I got to be you, buddy. <laughs> got to be you. <laughs> Oh, my wife would say, no! (laughs) Okay. So, um, let me ask you now. So, since you've returned home, uh, we're going to transition in 180 degrees now. Okay, because we're wrapping up. uh, Because we're on the two-hour mark now, so this is going to be a two-part series. Just letting folks know that are listening. So, looking back, where you're at now and where you've been, would you say that what you've done has led you to where you're at now? Could you have been where you're at now if you hadn't been where you've been? Well, and I would say those are kind of polar opposites in a way. I what I would say is, is I wouldn't be, and not just to this day right now, I would say from the minute I got home until now, se- several years in between, like 10 of them, I, I would ar- I would articulate to you that, to my mind, I wouldn't be as successful as I am right now. Hmm. I, I, and I, I can say that with complete confidence because, you know, being overseas, performing the jobs that I did, the missions I was part of, um, 
very, very humbling to participate in that. Very humbling that the people I was exposed to, you know, beat that one to death. But it, it, you could talk about it all day. Um, and, and what that points to is when you come home and, and you see just how, and this isn't a guilting people into realizing how great this country is, but it is a good reminder uh, of just how good it is here. And even with everything going on, we're not getting into those politics and weeds, but I, it's still the greatest country there ever is. And knowing what I know now, being overseas, seeing what it's really like, I think, I, I think we had a, a glimpse into what it's really like, Scott. Um, that, that just allows me to continue on the, the good journey, the good fight here. You know, the good patriot, uh, the good former Marine, the good, you know, federal law enforcement officer. I'd like to thank them all of those, but it, it, it keeps me or provides me perspective. Maybe not daily like it used to, but certainly weekly. I talk about it all the time. I share the, I share the story all the time. Wow. A version of. So it's important to me. That's why. If it wasn't important and I wasn't successful in my own mind, I wouldn't talk about it. You know, that's awesome, man, because, uh, you know, so much when we come home, whether it's from the military or private security contracting or both, we come home and we go through whatever phases we go through, however long that lasts, whether it's dark or bright or both. Mm-hmm. Um we realize at some point, amongst a great many other things, just how good we have it. And we realize that, you know, we take so much for granted as Americans. And the world around us, for the most part, outside of America, has so much turmoil, so much war, so much conflict. And we in America don't have that for the most part, except for what's going on now. Um, but we, you know, and prior to that, it didn't really happen until the 60s or 70s. And now we're having it again. Yep. But, I mean, you know, the rest of the world really just does look to us as the beacon for everything that you can pronounce as a pronoun or an adjective or an adverb. Do they not? Yes, right. That's right. Yeah. So, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, I, and, and, and we'd all, all of us who, who, who participated in, in, it in some form or fashion in contracting, I, I think we'd be remiss to not admit to ourselves and the public that's going to be listening, is listening, that you, you get rid of all the static and all the bad right now, and you focus back on the good, and you can tell yourself, yeah, I was part of that. I was part of, you know, how microscopic in your mind or how large in your macroscopic. I mean, we, we were part of something that is allowing what's happening today to go forward. I mean, freedom, right? Exactly. In some form or fashion. You know, you, you gotta, and I get a little bit embarrassed actually even saying that out loud, but that's the bottom line. It is. How you slice it. 
Yes, we were something that was, we were part of something that was, as many folks have said, that was much larger and bigger and grander than us. That's right. That and, is right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it is a privilege to have experienced that and to be able to bring home to the people that are listening. It's like, you know, all of this warfare and all this, these clashes and all these problems that are going on, we're not saying that there isn't some sort of justification or reason or rationale for it. Okay, we're not disagreeing with that. But we're saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, there's this, you know, when you see the leftovers and the destruction and the chaos that's left over, when you've seen what we've seen, when you've heard what we've heard, when you've witnessed what we've witnessed, it's like, really, folks? Do we really need this? It's like, you know, can't we come to some sort of cordial agreement? Yeah. Beyond yeah, what? Yeah. Something. Right? Yeah, just something. Something so small that it's just that awesome. Right. So, I my guess, friend. I, I guess what we're talking about, Scott, is I'm not. A little humanity out of you people. I mean, that's what. Yeah. Yes. So, my friend Travis, let me ask you: If you could leave one something, or couple or many somethings with people as a parting gift, what something to leave them with? What would you like to say? Well, I probably uh, I'm I'm not one to think my advice is is worth listening to. But I've kind of given a lot of it out, Scott. Um, you know, I, I I guess what I would probably what I would leave everybody with is is you know to to this day um, currently right now, you know I'm I'm here and, and Scott didn't get into it and that's fine, but I'm I'm current, currently part of a of a national incident. Um, and so I'm part of a national incident management team and in a law enforcement capacity. But that being said, and I find myself doing the same things I did contracting, and that's I, I have pretty limited job duties here, and I do a lot of things that that don't involve my gun or cuffs or all these other tools. Uh, but you know, it's just it's just treating the person decent and helping them out because they don't know where to go. Uh, and I guess the point there is. It just just have some compassion. There's a lot of humanity left in all of us, and and the more we can get to the, the bottom of it and release some of that and get some of that compassion out there, we're, we'll all be fine. But I will say this, work hard too. I mean, it's uh, we live in a world that's highly automated, and you'll get a lot further. You may not live as long as some of these people riding their, their, their bikes and all this stuff, but I think you'll have a much better understanding of, what the human purpose is, quite honestly, Scott. Right. So, uh, two questions, which I should have probably asked previously, is would you recommend either and or the military lifestyle and or the private security lifestyle for anybody? 
I would recommend both, but it would be it'd be in different order. I'd recommend, or excuse me, it'd be the order you suggested, which would be military then contracting. And because of the way, depending upon what your contract or your potential contract could be, there's certainly a mirror image of one another. Um, I think I focus on a lot of the, the pros of being a contractor, but you can't you can't deny the pros of being in the military. A serving your country, but B being around a, just a group of men and women that that is, is a rarity, one uh, percent of the population, and that allows you to be something much bigger than yourself. And then prepare to go contract if that's what you want to do, because quite honestly, I think the military preps you for many things. Not only your occupation in the military, not to be a, a war fighter, to be a aircraft mechanic, but I think it, it prepares you for that particular environment um, that we're discussing, you know, the contracting environment, which is being in strange places, being around a whole host of people you probably didn't grow up around, uh, learning some verbal communication skills or becoming very good at physical fitness because if you, you can't get your mouth wired right, you're going to be running a lot. <laughs> so a lot of positives there. And I, I really do. I, I, I almost didn't at a point in my life. I'd rather see volunteerism. I think it makes a, makes a much stronger fighting force. But um, mandatory, mandatory two-year service, Scott, I tell you, not a bad idea. Right. Well, that's not an uncommon thought in certain countries around the world, which we don't need to mention. But there are there are a number of countries around the world which, in fact, that's the case. So... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Um, so, if there's a takeaway, or two or three, that we you would like to leave folks with for this episode, uh, what are they? What is it you would like to leave folks with? Your final thoughts. Boy, I'm probably going to sound like the, the broken record. They're going <laughs> to they're going to think you retorted me and. and just- <laughs> Hit and playback, put it on some kind of school. I don't know all the technology or terminology, Scott, but um, you know, there's a lot of things that could be taken away from I think today's uh, you know recording session with you. I I will tell you this. I once again, I I think it's easy to get really comfortable in our own skins and our own environment. And I and this is going to segue into contracting. But it could be anything. Some people get uncomfortable just looking in the mirror. So for some of us, though, that aren't afraid to put our necks out there uh, that need to be challenged, sometimes going to a foreign country and, and, and being part of a security force or a police force or, you know, FSR, whatever your job is, uh, personal security, uh, working with people you don't know. But you expect them to be the same kind of operator you are, or the same kind of squared away individual you are. Uh, you're putting, you know, your trust in other people's hands. You're, you're trusting they've got the same kind of compass that we've discussed, you know, for for a while now. And I think it's good to be out of your comfort zone. I think I think we're creatures of of learning daily, but I think we have to be challenged, and I think we have to be putting compromising situations no matter how big how small to really show our potential and i guess that's my takeaway if you get an opportunity 
move out of your own county. That's small scale, right? You graduate, right. move somewhere. Go to college somewhere if you want to go to college. Take a job somewhere else from where your family is. But get out there and have an impact on someone else's life, and I think your life will be a lot more rewarding. Wow. Travis, that is well spoken. Um, and I want to thank you for your uh, for your thoughts and your input. And I want to thank you, especially for your time. This has been you a, this has yeah. been a, this has been a heck of a time of us catching up on this for, to try and oh, make this happen. Been phenomenal. Been phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's been busy. It's been a little challenging, but man, I, we got through it and, uh, had, had enough, uh, cell coverage and phone power and, <laughs> and uh, the lightning guards didn't do anything. So it is. My friend Travis, hang on the line. After this is over, I want to talk with you. Uh, so for the folks that are listening, thank you very much for tuning in to Oconus, the Contractor's Life, this episode. Uh, my guest, uh, Travis Hayworth, good friend of mine, and uh, a really super good dude and patriot, as is, is if you couldn't tell. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Stay frosty, folks. Stay safe. Remember to be careful what you wish for. And until the next time, Keep it real.